Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. desperate people. What I've learned, though, in 35 years of ministry is so often desperate people are only desperate desperate for the temporal. They don't understand there's a a greater thing of the eternal. Which kind of brings us to, it does bring us to our application tonight. Because the fascinating thing to me in this chapter, once you get past the temptation of Jesus and the establishment of his ministry, is these four men who are the disciples, two different sets of brothers, in the fishing business together from two different families, that in a chapter where there's multitudes of people, innumerable multitudes being healed of all their needs and all their needs being met with no names in the multitude, yet contrast to that multitude are four men that we know are going to change the world. Peter and Andrew, John and James. It, it goes back to what we always say, many are called, but few are chosen. And it, Jesus taught those parables where he invites all the people to the wedding feast and no one wants to come. And whoever is willing, let them come. It is a narrow gate. And the narrow gate is the discipleship of Jesus Christ. The real experience, of, the real goal, the real objective, the highest ideal of the human experience, without a doubt, is to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ, to become his disciple and fulfill our divine destiny of purpose in obedience to him with the power of of the Holy Spirit and the promises of God's word enabling us and moving us forward till the day of the Lord, forward, onward, and upward, always with the Lord. And it begins our whole story of Jesus reaching fallen humanity and, and bring, drawing men and women to himself and transforming their lives. And, and we're going to have the Sermon on the Mount beginning next week, these incredible truths. They, their strength belongs to disciples. Disciples are people who have heard the good news of Jesus and responded in personal faith. As many as believed, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Not born of flesh, not born of blood, or the will of man, but born of God. John chapter 1. To be born by the Spirit through faith in Jesus. And obviously in the earthly ministry of Jesus, there's a transition where he's drawing and working a certain way with the apostles and the disciples and the Jews and people as a whole. And then on the day of Pentecost, when he sends the Holy Spirit and works through these men, Peter, John, James, and Andrew, and the other apostles, we know that the book of Acts records to us how, and the teaching of the New Testament canon of Scripture teaches to us how when we receive Christ, that we're born anew, and we pass from death to life, and we become disciples. But so many people say a prayer to respond to Christ But so few actually go forward as disciples of Christ. In fact, many people think it's something different. They think of it almost like like a video game. You accomplish this. You ask Jesus Jesus into your heart. But, you know, you know, you got to earn to be baptized. That's the next big thing you do. Like you got to pass this level of the video game to be baptized. And then you can become a disciple and you'll be like those people that go to church and you see them serving at the church. And people think like that. But in Christ, it's all 
one and the same. He didn't call people to be churchgoers or to make limited confessions of faith publicly. He called them to be disciples, to identify with him by surrendering to him. And we're going to see this throughout the Gospel of Matthew, as you see it in all four Gospels. And it begins with these four. Called to be disciples. In fact, I've mentioned my Bible has these titles, and I'm like, hmm, okay, what am I going to call this message? Well, why reinvent the wheel? My Bible says four fishermen called as disciples. It's all right there. This is the call to be disciples. Now, last week we talked about the unique divine destiny of each person. But this is a little different, so don't cross them up. This is different, called to be disciples. So as we come back to verse 16, excuse me, 18, and we think about these four men called to be disciples, a couple simple things to reflect on tonight before we move on to communion. Jesus said, follow me. This is so liberating for all of us. To know that when God calls us to himself, he calls us to follow him. And so much, so many people, even in the name of Jesus in Christianity, they often think of being a disciple of Jesus Christ as following rules or regulations. There's something about human nature that likes rules and structure and regulations. In fact, most people like to be told what to do. Nine out of ten people go to work and do a job where someone tells them what to do. You don't have to critically think. Like, you just kind of go with the flow. The cults, false false teaching groups of Christianity, they thrive with people who want to be told what to do and do a job and check the boxes and think that that's what it is to know God in the human experience and to go to heaven through their good works. And, of course, the world has no shortage of world religions and philosophies that would follow the same thing. When people have been baptized into denominations, and by the way, if you don't know, there's like 20,000 denominations on planet Earth. Tens of thousands, just so you know. Subdenominations, fragmented denominations. I used to think there was hundreds. When I began to study world missions, I learned there's actually tens of thousands of them. Because people find things to divide over, and the Lord has to keep doing a fresh work because people go toward their flesh and their pride, and he keeps doing a fresh work. And that's what church history is. But as a pastor, I've obviously, you know, in 35 years, you've got to figure I've baptized quite a few people, and I have. And when I baptize people, I baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, like it says in Matthew chapter 28, what Jesus said to do. But I'm really identifying them in the person of Jesus Christ. And when people go in the, underwater, they're identifying with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection on their behalf, and the life they now have in him. For if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. But I have baptized a lot of people where they say, like, well, I was baptized into this denomination. Does it count? And I said, well, if in your heart you're committed, you know, you're committed to Jesus, yeah. But see, in Western world history, people want to identify with the denomination. And of course, the wars of the medieval times, plus since that time, you know, like, for example, when the Prussian queen, like Catherine, who's a, a duchess at the time, goes to Russia and ends up marrying the grandson of Peter the Great, she's got to convert from Catholicism to Russian Orthodoxy. And she's no longer under the Pope, which is who she was under as a Prussian duchess. 
now, now she's under the, the Metropolitan of Moscow. He's like the Pope of the Russian Orthodox Church. And so one of the things that was so controversial in medieval times was when they did these marriages to strengthen monarchies and, you know, build your house like a game of Monopoly, is the tricky part was, was getting people, the women, to let go of their identified religion of their state religion to identify with this state religion, and they all called themselves Christians. So Catherine the Great, before she was Catherine the Great, had to be baptized a Russian Orthodox, which is a huge deal back then. See what I mean about religion? Jesus said, follow me. Even recently, I baptized someone. They said, well, they were baptized as an infant. And I said, well, you know, your parents met well. So you didn't really have the choice. You didn't understand that you're identifying with Christ. So let's just go forward right now here. I don't make it a splitting issue. I just want to point everybody to Jesus. Because we can identify with Calvary Chapel Movement as being a Calvary Chapel affiliate. We can identify with the Southern Baptists, which would be wonderful. We can identify with all kinds of denominations that we would agree with and we can hang out with. But I don't need to be baptized in the name of those denominations. My identity is Jesus on the day of the Lord. Well, God forbid your identity is Pastor Chuck and the Calvary Chapel Distinctives on the day of the Lord. Or anything else like that. Our identity... It's Jesus. Jesus didn't say, hey, Peter, follow me and I'll teach you uh, 20 distinctives about this denomination and you can be baptized in that denomination. He said, follow me. There's a simplicity. Man, when the Holy Spirit got a hold of my life, when God got a hold of my life in 1987, there was just such simplicity that I was just following Jesus. They asked me to do an invocation for the city council in Virginia Beach in 1991. We just started church here at the Calvary Chapel, and we we're non-denominational. Like, hey, we've never had a non-denominational minister come and do or, you know, like pray for the city council before we resolve all kinds of things. They say, we've had all these people, and they named all these denominations, but we never just had a Christian. That's how the world thinks. I'm like, <laughs> I wore my Bill Bong t-shirt that day, too, of all things. Everyone's in suit and tie. I'm like, oh, I didn't get the memo. <laughs> all I could think was John Corson saying, you know, be yourself. And I was. But I always remember this, like, you're a Christian. You're just a Christian. Like, that's your, it may feel good. It should make you feel good. Follow Jesus. When Jesus called them, he called men to himself to follow him. And that's a loving relationship with the one who made all things, the one who holds all things together, and in him all things consist. That's the one who died for our sins. God's love the world that gave his son to die for our sins. By this we know love, that Christ died for us, or yet enemies, we were his enemies, and he died for us. And so we love him because he first loved us. It's a loving relationship. But people want to make it a legal relationship. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. So I just remind us tonight, when we're here singing these songs, when we're having communion, <laughs> I mean, of course we have a sound statement of faith over God's nature, how we're saved, you know, and how we grow. But, I've met, you know, when you're, when you're ministering the kids with a brain tumor, they're following Jesus. We're not trying to make Calvinists out of them or Baptists or Calvary Chapelites. They're following Jesus. That's who we follow. When we're staring down the grave, we're not going to be thinking about Calvary distinctives or any other thing. We're going to be thinking about Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We're going to be thinking about Jesus, the good shepherd who laid down his life for us and is coming for us. That's who we're going to be thinking about. And it, I promise you this, and most of you know this, 
and your greatest victories, just remember it's Jesus who blessed you and you're following Jesus. And in your worst defeats, just remember it's Jesus who loves you and you're following Jesus. And you keep it simple. Man, I've been in such heavy situations in 35 years of ministry. I can't even imagine trying to explain some theological things to people who are dying. Most of humanity is like the thief on the cross. They're looking for mercy and forgiveness. And Jesus, from the childlike faith of a young child to an elderly person who's willing to admit that they lived their life wrong for 85 years, is always there looking unto Jesus. When I'm ministering to people and they're on their deathbed and Jesus is coming, I don't tell them, hey, let's go through this creed of doctrines one more time so you're ready for the trumpet to sound. I'm like, hey, Jesus is coming right here. It's going to open like Elijah's chariot. Right now. You're going to see it. You're right here. He's coming. And he's coming for you. And they're like, and I'm speaking truth. And I'm proclaiming truth. On the day of the Lord, it's Jesus. Loving relationship. WG, body of Christ. We follow Jesus. I'm a simple man. I told you I did to every man an answer for like two weeks with Brian Broderson. I'd see the questions like, I don't even want to answer that. Who even calls and asks that question? He's like, like, you know what Brian did? He's like, no, he goes, I'll get that one. And he comes down and he's like, why don't you take this one, Joey? I'm like, like, let's pray. I was like, Mike McIntosh, let's just pray about this right now. I I quit doing every man an answer because I didn't have all the answers. I just have the answer you need. Follow Jesus. He'll reveal himself to you. He'll answer your questions. He'll comfort you in your worst moment. And he'll humble you if he has to in your best moment. He'll rejoice with you in the best moment, if that's what it calls for. The second thing we see is, I will make you, and I quote this a lot. This is so critical for us to understand, because I think most of us really genuinely genuinely want to do good and be good. He says, I will make you. It's so relieving when you realize that you're not making you, but the Lord's making you. That it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's God who wills and works in you for his good pleasure. That if we just wake up and, and seek the Lord first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, coming up in a couple weeks. If we just make it our priority every day to seek the Lord in the morning, like David, in the morning I sought you and I think of you in the evening meditations. It's, it's not complicated. If we make time to read the word of God. If we make time to clear our mind and pray every morning and make that our priority, we're going to eat every day pretty much. There are certain things we're going to do every day pretty much. That's why Jesus said, a man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Because all those things that our body and that we our flesh wants, the temporal, they're all going to pass away. But the word of God is eternal. See, Maslow's five drives, air, water, food, bowels, sex, those five drives, in case you haven't figured out when you get older, they start to go. They start to drop off. They're not as strong. And ultimately, when someone's dying, you know, what do we say? Three weeks without food, three days without water, and three minutes without air. When you're with someone dying, the last thing you want is like a little ice cube thing if it's terminal, right? Like the little, just they got to dry, like Jesus on the cross, I thirst. Those things are so powerful. Even It's amazing how powerful they are, like, all the way to the end, in that sense of that, that, that human existence. But in the end, this mortal must put on immortality. 
This corruptible must put on incorruptibility, 1 Corinthians 15. And that's when all, all that, though the outward woman, the outward man is perishing, the inward woman, the inward man is being renewed daily. And we're being renewed daily by being in his word and we're being transformed from glory to glory by being in his word and spending time with the Lord. So we become like Moses. Remember when Moses said, God, show me your glory there on the mountain? And the Shekinah glory of the Lord went by and the glory was on his face. And he had to, veil, he had to wear the veil. But see, all we like unveiled face see his glory. And let me just say this on behalf of the kingdom. There is nothing more beautiful than men and women who have been with Jesus in the morning and the unveiled glory is in their eyes and on their face. Because Jesus said the eye is a lamp to the soul. And you know, you know when you're talking to a spirit-filled man or a spirit-filled woman, you can see that glory. And though we might be fading on the outward, we can just every day be renewed. Because not, it's not, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. So you see, follow me and I will make you. And he makes us by time with him and by his word. That's why he said in John 15, if my word abides in you, you will ask what you will and it will be done for you. But apart from me, you can do some things, a few things. No, nothing. See, the Lord's, the cross is all or nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then we read in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's, it's all or nothing. The cross isn't like a, a tie. Being a disciple isn't about going to church. It's, it's about being all in with the Lord. We've, we're looking to Jesus in a loving relationship. It's not legal. It's loving. And we realize the growth that we're wanting to have as a human being in this journey of life is brought about by the Lord, by spending time with the Lord, his word, and being transformed by the Lord. And this is what makes our faith in Christ so different than every philosophy and world religion. It was interesting. I was, you, some YouTube stuff. I'm always looking like little YouTube, like, like financial tips, like Dave Ramsey or something. Like, oh, little Dave Ramsey, seven minutes with Dave Ramsey. You know, like, oh, how to save 10%. Okay, I'll watch something like that. That kind of stuff. And I thought, oh, seven master keys of stoic philosophy. I was like, Seven master keys. Well, I, I'm known to like, you know, be teed up, you know, like, and stoic means you have everything under control. Like, hmm. I'm like, let's see, let's see if maybe I can, maybe there's, so, let's see what this has to say. And it was, you know, it's the Greek philosophy of the Stoics, but two things that got my attention is one of the great deep secrets of stoic philosophy to change your life is you need to exercise patience. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. If you think I'm impatient now, you should have seen me 35 years ago before Jesus was working in my life. See, the Bible tells us to be patient. The difference is the Bible doesn't say, now go home and be patient. The Bible says, look to me and I'll transform you by my spirit and I'll teach you patience and you'll become more patient. Oh, one of the other master keys was when you're really mad at somebody, think everyone's going to die. <laughs> I think that all the time. I'm not even a stoic. I see eternity every day. <laughs> That's right. But the thing about the Stoic philosophy that got my attention is it didn't offer any hope other than to calm you down, to think like, hey, I'm going to die. This won't matter. They're going to die. It won't matter. I'm like, yeah. But for the kingdom, it does matter. It does matter. 
Because I'm dying, I need to redeem my time in my life right now by becoming more like Christ. And they're dying, and I need to win them to Christ so they're not lost for all eternity. Because the Stoic just sees, hey, let's be more patient in time, and let's, let's, let's forgive people because we're all going to die. See, it's so two-dimensional. Jesus will make us to be what we need to be. Jesus is not a philosophy that says, do this and do that, and gives us no power to do it. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He gives us all things pertaining to life and godliness. So he will make you who you need to be. And I get frustrated with me. Well, maybe you're like me. I get frustrated, and sometimes I'm really stoked. Like, I'm doing so good. And then I realize I'm not doing as good as I thought I was. Right? That's why I say life's like a baseball season. Life's an endless season, like baseball, man. Just ebb and flow. 162 games. Just goes on forever. Life just, just... it's an ebb and flow. We're doing great. That's why, like in baseball, it says last 10 games, three and seven, eight and two. Like, like it's the ebb and flow. I feel like that in, in, in the human experience sometimes. But here's the simplicity that we can have with the Lord. If we purpose to grow in the Lord daily, you will be a different person at the end of each year. So I say my goal is to be a better version of Joey Baran on January 1st, 2024, than what you saw on January 1st, 2023. When we had dinner with my old friend Aaron Chang, the world-famous photographer, a couple weeks ago down in San Diego, there was a moment when I was gone from the table, and his wife was gone from the table, and he said to Jennifer, he goes, Jennifer, I have to tell you, he is a completely different person. He goes, I can't believe, he's like, it, it is Joey Brand, but it's not the Joey Brand I knew when he was a California kid in my career. And you know what Jennifer said? She said, I would have never married that guy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> she, he goes, oh, you wouldn't so, oh, no, I, I don't even know that guy, and I wouldn't have married him. And that, that encouraged me, because it was a testimony to someone that I haven't hung out with in 30 years that remembers me a certain way. They can see 30 years of transformation in my life. Now my wife sees it day by day. It's kind of like when you watch your kids grow up, you don't notice it as much as when you went away for two years, and all oh, the kids got big. But you want to be growing, Yes. And it's the Lord. If we just draw, if the goal is to grow, is to, if the goal is to seek the Lord and obey the Lord, you will grow. That's a Bible. It's cause and effect. It's sowing and reaping. You will grow. But the beauty of following Jesus is, it's the eternal, it's God's power in us. Every philosophy and world religion does not give that. And so that's our hope tonight, isn't it? It's such a s- simple playbook. Seek the Lord, read his word, spend time in prayer. When he corrects you, receive it. When you fall, learn from it. And forward, onward, and upward, always with the Lord. These are fishermen. These are everyday people, and they change the world because they are called to discipleship. They responded to discipleship, and they did change the world. And that's our hope tonight. That we look to Jesus, loving relationship, and we let him do that work in us. That only the real work, we're not trying to, we're not, a pig's a pig, always a pig. And the dog always goes back to its vomit. But a woman or a man who has a new nature in Christ, we're going from glory to glory. So body of Christ, I remind us tonight, always looking unto Jesus, following Jesus. He'll never lead us astray. He's the good shepherd. And just let him do that work. And though it might be 
a long game view of the work in your life, let it be growth. If you really want to grow in the Lord, you seek the Lord, when the year is done, there'll be a better version of you than the start of the year. And who you are as a person, if you're married, if you're a parent, an employee, citizen, you'll be a better citizen of planet Earth for all humanity if we keep it a loving relationship and let him work in us. It's very simple. And that's why Jesus said, unless you have the faith of a child, you can by no means enter the kingdom. And it's not that it's complex. It's just sometimes we're prideful, carnal, and stubborn. So we just have to keep it tender and keep going forward. Yes and amen. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.